the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There is an idyllic formula for life, and I think we all know how generally it goes. You have school-age crushes, you fall in love around the age of 17 or so, then you're off to college by 18, you marry your high school sweetheart by 22, buy a home, raise a family, retire, you die, and someday you're buried by your surviving children. That's the idyllic formula. Of course, we know that contrary to that, life often hands us something quite different. And when that formula falls out of order, it can create a tremendous amount of pain. It can cause people to be stumbling in their relationships, both spiritual as well as with their relationships on the horizontal plane. How do you go about recovering from life when it happens out of order? Joining me today in studio is Pamela Prime, author of When the Moon is Dark, We Can See the Stars. And Pamela, welcome to the program. Thank you, Craig. Your life kind of happened out of order, in a sense. It did. (laughs) Particularly so, and I think that every parent who's heard of these stories immediately gets that sort of quickening in their hearts that, oh, I never want that to happen to me. That sense that we are supposed to be buried by our children. We're not supposed to bury our children. Mm -hmm. And yet that happened to you not once, but twice in a relatively short period of time and then compounded with a divorce after many, many years of marriage. How did all that impact you in terms of your viewpoint on life and your relationship to God. Well, Craig, really the reason I wrote the book is to support people who go through difficult times in their life and to let them know that there there really is light at the end of the tunnel. I feel so blessed by God to have a life that is filled with joy, regardless of the fact that I have had suffering. And I wanted to share that with people and give people hope and also support people who are going through something in a particular moment that they may have read the book or be reading the book. You describe your experience as feeling lonely and isolated. And it's funny because so oftentimes we'll go through the loss of a loved one. There will be a grieving process. There Mm -hmm. will be a funeral. People send cards. They send flowers. They telephone us. They send over the proverbial, the the casserole for dinner and things of this sort. They try to give us a lot of attention. And yet there's a time when that activity slows down. And then suddenly you're left with that sense of the why questions Uh and struggling through that that tremendous sense of loss and that isolation. And it's amazing that you can be surrounded by people and yet because of that experience, you feel so terribly lonely and isolated. I, I think that the the loneliness I felt was more around my, my marriage than around the deaths of the children, mm. oddly enough. Uh, there was a sense of loneliness, even though I was married, because we weren't able to really communicate in the way that uh, I had hoped, or I think even he had hoped. And um, and it was a sense of, of really needing to 
to find a way to either communicate or to separate. And um, I, I think I, I sometimes would say to myself that having to go through a divorce was almost more painful because it was a, really a dream that was just completely broken and I wasn't able to live out what I had hoped. I have always believed that the children are gifts from God. I have five children, two of whom live with God in the spirit world and three of whom I see very often and who have grandchildren. And I feel blessed with the three that I have and I feel blessed with the two that are with God. But they are gods. I've been given them just for a short period of time. You have to look at it from a perspective of of the children being on loan from God. Exactly. And that's not to say that I didn't grieve very, very deeply when each of those children passed to God. You mentioned about that tremendous sense, though, of isolation and loneliness over the marriage. And it's interesting because as much as I point to um, how we will have a grieving process and and culture provides for Mm -hmm. uh, sympathy cards and acknowledgement of the loss and things of this sort, but that really doesn't happen around a divorce, does it? The death of a marriage, you don't don't get, people don't send you cards, you don't get flowers. I think people who have had to go through divorce really understand that no one would do that unless they absolutely had to that it's a it's a very painful thing to have to do and um i often i often think what if i didn't have to do that what if if the marriage were still there and yet it it wasn't and i have to acknowledge that it was just the way it was meant to be was it important for you to come to a point in life pamela where you grieved for the loss oh, of I that? grieved deeply. I grieved deeply even before uh, I I separated from my, my husband because I could see it coming. I could feel it coming. And there was some way that, you know, it's like a wave. We couldn't stop it. And um, I'm, I'm going to cry myself to sleep because I knew that's what I was going to have to do. A lot of people go through that experience, be it the loss of a loved one that's very near and dear or a marriage and those past injuries those old wounds they they continue as as untreated gaping wounds that continue to fester and oftentimes hinder our spiritual progress and certainly hamper our relationship with god and with others did you find yourself going through that what what sets you on the spiritual journey that you took to sort of get reconnected with god in a deep way and to go looking for for a lot of the answers that you sought well when maggie died she was four months old i really wasn't involved in spirituality i went to church every week and i had a relationship with god that i think was significant but I didn't have any awareness. I hadn't done a lot of reading or studying. It wasn't until Sean died, and Sean died when he was 16. He took his own life. But at that point, I was studying theology, and I was much more aware. I also had experienced the death of a child, so I knew I wasn't going to die. Uh, with Maggie, I, I didn't know if I could continue living. I, I wasn't suicidal, but it was the pain was so great that how does one live you know, with that level of pain. And that had been a, a difficult childbirth, as I recall. It was a book. very difficult childbirth, Then yes. you went through postpartum depression, which I don't know at that time, did we even really understand? Did we have a name for it at no, that No, I, I, I don't think we did. Uh, I don't know. I think people did understand that there was some, some sort of hormonal change that was happening, that, that women who just gave birth would be sad. 
But with Maggie, it was the shock of having a, a C-section and 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 just I just was completely undone at her birth. She almost died at her birth. Yeah, so that that must have been a particularly painful because it was a challenging childbirth. Yes, and and both of your lives were at risk at one point. Were they, they were? Not? Yes. So to get through all of that and kind of have the we made it through. Right. She survived. I survived, right. and then four months later, this huge black dark cloud rolls in on top That's of right. your life with sudden her, infant death, her loss. Yeah, that sets a lot of people into a downward spiral that some folks unfortunately never really recover from. That's right, and I do a lot of work with people who have lost children, and I don't know if I could say overcome, but I have regained my strength emotionally and I've spent a lot of time with the pain feeling the pain with God and asking for healing do you think that's important and I ask that Pamela because so often our society is is created in a fashion or we're encouraged in a fashion to try to avoid pain or anesthetize pain people go through different things in life and I can't handle it so they reach to the pill bottle they go to the booze maybe they begin overeating there, there's something in there or become a workaholic it's something in there that distracts them from going through the pain and I'm reminded that Christ certainly never promised us that there would be no pain. In fact, we're reminded in Scripture that the rain falls in both the just and the unjust. And so that sense maybe of the importance of learning that we are capable in him and through him to go through the pain as opposed to going around it. That's exactly. And I think being a Christian, I could sit with Jesus and I could he could understand me and I could sit with Mary. I'm raised Catholic, so Mary has been always important to me in my life. She, she knows what it's like to lose a child. She does she? know what it's like to lose a child. And so she became a, a great companion for me as I grieved the death of my children. And w- with Sean particularly, I, I think I had the wisdom to understand that if I didn't feel the pain and allow myself to really experience it, that I would never be to the other side. I, w- mm. I would have done something to anesthetize myself. And it becomes a... A major stumbling block, doesn't it? I mean, if you, if you don't go through the grieving process, if you don't, in a sense, legitimize the pain, sometimes we want to hide it because we don't know how to handle it, or society is telling us to buck up, hang in there. Exactly. I bet there were people that said, well, now, Pamela, but you still have three other children. Uh-oh. What about them? Yes. Is this somehow you're going to have that, uh, or, you know, uh, slap on the forehead moment and say, oh, of course, what was I thinking? Right. People sometimes just don't really understand, do they? No, they so don't. They're in their effort to try and be kind, they're actually heaping more more coals upon our heads unwittingly. Well, you, you said it in the beginning that uh, this losing a child for many people is their worst fear. And so they don't want to see you in pain. So, gosh, it's been a year. Aren't you okay? And it's uncomfortable for people to be with other people who are grieving, especially if you're not willing to feel your own pain. You don't want to be with people that are in pain. I have a lot of compassion for people who are grieving because I felt my pain. Not to say that there won't be another moment where, where I'll experience an aspect of my past that I need to spend time with God with. Because we never know when we're finished. We never know when when everything has been healed. Uh, But 
I do have compassion for people because I'm not afraid of pain. Pain has transformed me. If you've just joined us, my guest today is Pamela Prime, author of When the Moon is Dark, We Can See the Stars. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. Joining me today in studio is Pamela Prime. Now, Pamela, you touch on a very valid point that I want to have you sort of underscore, um, bold, and italicize for a moment. And that is that we never quite know when we're done with it all in the sense of that, that healing process and right. that grieving process. We, we tend sometimes to be take such a, a formula approach to this. A very close friend of mine who lost her husband two and a half, three years ago commented to me the other day that, you know, I'm really having a tough time because I'm not over it yet. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that statement and it occurred, I, I finally said to her, I said, you know, is this something you really want to get over? You were married for what, 45, almost 50 years? Is that something you want to get over? When you say get over, what what do you mean? You mean forget about your marriage and three quarters of your life? Are you saying that you want to forget all of the pain? And maybe part of the problem here is that our approach to pain is to avoid it or to be anesthetized from it instead of growing through it. And it seems like what you discovered is walking through Scripture, you realize that this was a process that we don't go around, but we have to go through, and that yes. we can actually grow through that pain, and that that process is not necessarily something that's instantaneous, like, you know, a cup of cold water in the microwave, and 30 seconds later, you've got boiling water. That It might be a lifetime. Absolutely. I think our life is spent um, growing and maturing in our spirituality and our awareness of who we are and who God is and how we are in relationship. You know, I, I, I really think that to understand that we are God's beloved, we have to walk the path. We can't, we just don't, uh, I don't know, there's some way, and I don't like to use the word we earn, the awareness of we are God's beloved, but we certainly have to reach deep into our souls to experience that's who we are. And if we have blocks there because we haven't felt the pain or the anger or the fear, then we aren't going to get to that place of joy and wonder and acceptance of God's love. Pamela Prime is with us today. The book, When the Moon is Dark, We Can See the Stars. Part of this challenge of managing pain and grief and loss it tends to have a bit of family legacy or history to it, doesn't it? At one point in the book, you talk about um, sort of that history of having grown up and then later on in life carrying on that sense of that, you know, we don't trust, we don't feel, we don't tell. There are a lot of families that are like that. Yes. Uh, things that go on inside the family that might be a family secret. Uh, it can be something severe on that end or just simply a pattern in which we shut off feelings and emotions as a way of dealing with them. And, of course, we know that that ends up warping our relationships and, and certainly our relationship with God. What was the turning point for you to begin to say that, you know, that, that, that legacy, so to speak, that you have been raised with and it continued on in your life of that don't trust, don't feel, don't tell? At what point did you say, we need to short circuit this? I think the beginning was the death of Maggie, because I had to feel those feelings. There was no way I could get out from underneath them. 
But I had another experience of being in the kitchen with my papers, getting ready to teach uh, CCD, a class on Christian education, to the sixth graders. And the topic was God's love. And, and I sat there looking out the window and I thought, how am I going to teach these children about God's love? And I, and I was looking at the flowers. It was spring and the flowers were beautiful. And I was thinking, well, one way I could teach them was would just take them out into the, the fields and the gardens and talk about the beauty of nature and how God has given this all to us. And suddenly I had this awareness of God's love that was so overwhelming that I felt it in every cell of my body. And I went running to the Bible. At that point in my life, I don't think, I didn't even have a Bible. Um, I, I had one family Bible in the house, but I didn't have one that I read every day. And I grabbed this family Bible and I started pouring through it because I wanted to know who this God was that was loving me beyond anything I could possibly ever imagine. And I knew at that point that it wasn't just me. That it was everyone and everything in creation. That this love was just beyond anything that I possibly had ever experienced Our before. eyes sometimes get blinded to that, like the proverbial horse with the blinders on. We see just down that narrow yeah. tunnel of the road ahead of us. And you, know, you would think of the example that you'd say, how do we demonstrate God's love when there's so much pain in the earth and there's so much suffering? Exactly. And to try to explain to a young child who could, as you're talking about, God is love and what we see demonstrated of God's love through the sacrifice of his son in Scripture, who couldn't readily raise a hand and say, but wait a minute, how do you explain away the fact that my daddy was killed in the war mm-hmm. or mommy and daddy are no longer married or, you know, whatever a child might bring up is the pain that they're they're dealing with. And to to be able to see that God's love transcends all of that. Yes. And that he loves us through those painful experiences. Walks with us, carries us. I mean, tears with us. And uh, I, I think sometimes we focus so much on what's wrong that we forget about focusing on what's exquisite and on, on God. Do we have to work hard? That passage in Scripture comes to mind, labor to enter into his rest. Do we have to work hard to labor into experiencing his joy? And I ask that question because... Some people may just want to plop themselves down in a room and say, okay, God, make it all happen. Yes. <laughs> this is a journey, isn't it? It definitely is a journey. You I mean, talk that... in the book about praying and fasting mm-hmm. and reading, and you even went back to school. You were studying uh, theology with the Jesuits. Yes. There's some effort at this, isn't there? Well, there is an effort, but there's also, uh, there's also the experience of God causing that effort. Do you know there's some way in which I was called into prayer and called to study and called to search and called because the longing that I had in me that I was feeling was really God longing for me. Mm. And it was my response. And the deeper you go in, the deeper he draws you in. Well, yes, because because then you're available Mm. to God for those calls. So it's, it's a really, it's a love relationship, really. And, um, I think that lover wants all of us. (laughs) He does indeed, doesn't he? Yes. On this edition of Lifeline, Pamela Prime is with us today. We're going to take a brief time out, have her share some closing thoughts as this edition of Lifeline continues. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. Joining me today in studio is Pamela Prime, author of When the Moon is Dark, We Can See the Stars. So, Pamela, as we were talking just before the break, there is a longing of God's creation for him. And really, there's also God who longs for us. And, of course, the deeper we go in that longing, the deeper he draws us in. Um, Yes. There's so much we see in Scripture about surrendering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, Christ ultimately modeled that. My goodness, the, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. And knowing the pain that he knew he would be facing, and yet to be able to have the stamina to say, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Yes. Even in that moment, yes, Christ demonstrated to us what it means to fully surrender to God. And then watch as we see that story unfold from Gethsemane to then Golgotha and eventually on that hill hung on the tree. And then, of course, the good news of the resurrection on the yes. third day. We see how God was there through all of that. Even at the moment when he utters, God, why have you forsaken me? We Mm -hmm. we fully understand that, in fact, God had not forsaken him at any point. And maybe that's the big important message that that readers can extrapolate from your book, that even though we go through these experiences, as you recount the story of losing Maggie, Sean to suicide at the age of 16, your marriage after 23 years that God is still with us, even though sometimes it doesn't always feel like that. Yes. He hasn't forsaken us. And if we will reach out to him, he will reach back to us, won't he? Well, I think God is reaching out to us before we reach out to God. You know, I think we're already in God's lap. This is very true, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, God is waiting for us. God was never lost. (laughs) God was never lost. I I remember just getting so so upset and so sad one day because we had moved and I was in a place that I had never lived before and and a neighborhood that was very foreign to me. We moved from the from the East Coast. Was this the Tennessee experience? Yeah, to yeah. Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I. That's where I really was lonely and isolated and and really depressed. Uh, so from got, the East Coast or, or Walnut Creek on the other end, and then Tennessee. That's a culture right. shock, isn't and, it? Yeah, and so I, I was like a fish out of water, really. And I remember just plunking myself down in this chair and and just raising my eyes and and my hands and saying. God, where are you? And I heard back, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> you know? I was there all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that was that was another turning point. It was, you know, these these moments where I realized, I would realize that I had this magnificent relationship, this magnificent love relationship. And, uh, you know, God was always poking at me and, and trying to wake me up to that. Those peaks on the uh, the Richter scale, like exactly. an earthquake, you know, they don't happen all the time. Right. But those earthquakes that sometimes can uh, jostle us, yes, they can be upsetting, like some of the events in life can be upsetting. Yeah. And yet they can also be those, those shocking moments that will awaken a sense of the spiritual in us. That's right. Drive us back toward scripture, back toward the foot of the cross. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, when life is going well, what do you need God for? But it's in those moments when life is shaking us like an earthquake that we suddenly now can open our eyes and, and realize that it's more about than just the pain and the loss and the grieving and the trying to figure it out. It's about 
allowing God to love us in and through those negative experiences, the terrible things that most of the world works very hard to try to avoid or anesthetize the pain of, and experience God in the pain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paul talked about knowing Christ in the power of the resurrection, and people like to put the period right there. Boom. I like that. Boy, the resurrection. Look at that. Raised from the dead. Can't beat that. Right. But he doesn't end there. He goes on to say, and in the fellowship of his sufferings. And we we like that power of the resurrection part, but getting to know Christ in the fellowship of his sufferings and realizing, as you mentioned earlier, that he knows, he can relate. He knows what we're going through. Exactly. And in and through that, then we can find that sense of, of peace and comfort that surpasses all understanding. Yes, yeah. And that certainly has been your experience, hasn't it? It really has been my experience. And that's really why I wrote the book, because I feel very blessed. I I find now, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but the majority of my prayer is a prayer of gratitude mm-hmm. because of my life. I just feel deeply blessed. I have a beautiful marriage and live in a beautiful part of the world. And I don't know. God is just blessing me. Let's talk about briefly the beautiful part of the world that you live in, down in in Twainheart. You and your husband um, operate just a a wonderful location there. You've had a retreat center for many, many years that I understand is now available. And boy, a family looking for a great place to get away to, or maybe um, even a religious organization that says, hey, we'd like to just get a, a, a small neat little retreat center in the middle of the spectacular uh, California Redwoods. You're about an hour north of Yosemite, so listeners that know the Twain Heart area immediately know we're talking about a little slice of heaven here on this side. Um, you've got a beautiful piece of property there. Tell us a bit about it. Well, it's uh, it's five acres, and um, when Dave and I moved there, we started to recreate it. It had fallen into great disrepair. So we rebuilt the house uh, completely, really. I think there was one stick left by the time (laughs) the contractor got in and started ripping things out. Uh, And so we built a beautiful home. But then we built a tree house that's 35 feet above the ground. And uh, that was all architecturally designed and built by by a man from Maine who we brought to help us build this. And the community built it on the ground, and we lifted it up with a crane. Uh, We've had a lot of fun on the property. The property has a lake that's all spring-fed, and it has a stream that goes through it. And then we have another guest house that's on the lake, that it floats on the lake. It has a float, and uh, these buildings are yurts. We have a writer's studio, and we also have another yurt that was really our chapel. And um, we did healing circles every month. And you've done a lot of writing there on the property. Too, I have. I, I moved there to write, and so that's where I wrote the book. So it really is, is the kind of environment that can allow you to get away from the madness of, uh, of all the, the busyness of the big cities, so yes. to speak. And, and you know, what better place, if you're looking to reconnect with God or go deeper with God, than yes. to get out there in his creation right. where you suddenly realize that sparrows cast shadows when the sun is in the right direction um, and that there's other noise than the sound of passing fire engines and helicopters and the airport nearby Mm -hmm. and really be able to kind of just bask in the glory of that creation. Yes, it's beautiful. It's very peaceful. People say when they come on retreat, uh, we have three guest houses for retreats, they say, uh, this place is magical. 
where they say it's so peaceful. And we've had, I think that the place has just grown in terms of its sense. You know, when you go in a church, you feel really a beautiful energy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because people pray there. And many, many people have come to the property and, and prayed and meditated and done retreats. So you feel that energy on the property, aside from the fact that the trees and the water are exquisite energetically and the birds and all the little animals that live there. As beautiful as a, a chapel can be, it's still made by the hands of man and yet you're you're in a chapel there that is literally created by the very hand of God himself. Exactly. You can't really compete with that, can no, you? No, you can't. Folks want to get more information, um, I'll send you to the website, twobearsdancing.org. That's twobearsdancing.org. And I want to thank Pamela Prime for dropping by and sharing today. It's been great to visit with you. Thank you, Craig. More information again on the web, twobearsdancing.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As daunting as it is intimidating, home financing, and whether you're a first-time home buyer, investor, or simply looking to refi and save some money, having an experienced mortgage expert in your corner guiding you through the process can not only save you money in the long run, but save you lots of frustration as well. Joining me now is the president and founder of Purpose Funding, Andy Stike. Andy, great to have you on the program. Oh, thanks a lot. Glad to be here. Boy, your industry of any out there has gone through the most changes over the course of the last almost decade now uh, since some of the craziness back in the uh, 2000s, the early 2000s with the fog up a mirror, you get alone days. And of course, I guess with this, not only a greater degree of stability, but also for investors or first time home buyers, the, the process in some respects is much clearer today than it was back in the old days. Yeah, it's interesting to uh, during those times how a lot of folks decided to exit the business. It kind of cleared the way, um, so it, it cleaned out the business quite a bit, and it left it more for the professionals, which is a good thing. There was a lot of regulation that was put into place uh, that required a lot more studying, a lot more understanding of what was happening in the industry. So I believe it's it's raised the bar quite a bit. Um, and, you know, the opportunities are certainly there if you can find the right person to do business with. Let's talk a bit about some of the opportunities in terms of uh, this incredible season that we've been through here. I, I don't think I know of any other period in history where we've seen home loans as low as they have been for as long as they have been. And yet, remarkably, there are some folks out there that still have some of these old adjustable rate mortgages that go back quite a number of years or maybe. Maybe they found for a season their home underwater, so they wanted to leave everything just exactly as it was. And certainly here in Northern California, real estate values have not only returned to the pre-2007-2008 values, but in some respects are even higher today than they were back then. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, It's one of the biggest opportunities. I think everyone was affected by what happened in 2007, 2008, not just uh, the home values, but they were affected um, income-wise and credit-wise. So it's taken some time for people to repair their credit, get back to a place where they could qualify for a loan or qualify for the best loan. So we see a lot of that as well as we're seeing people that their house have been sitting and they haven't really 
had the equity or the finances to do normal repairs that they would or improvements. So now with the equity on the rise, um, there's opportunities for people to uh, get rid of some of their high debt credit cards, do some of those home improvements that they've been putting off for all this time, and, and doing just some of the regular maintenance that they would do regularly uh, if they wouldn't have been impacted by that by the recession. So here's an opportunity to maybe do some refinancing, take a little bit of money out to address those uh, deferred repairs, things of that sort, as well as the opportunity to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. On average, we're seeing uh, around $750 per client, uh, savings-wise, per month, which is, it's it's wild to even say it. It's such a big number. But people will buy a car, and they'll, they'll run up some credit card debt over the holidays or for different reasons. They have a child that's going into college. There'll be unforeseen expenses, and some that they know are coming. But the way that their debt is positioned and the way that the loans are amortized by putting it into a 30-year fix or into their mortgage, they can save huge amounts of money on that debt. And that's one of the things that we do right away is we, we want to do a review of your finances and see, is there a better way to position this to save you money? And certainly that kind of consolidation, as you suggest, not only makes it a lot easier for the consumer, but at the end of the day, who wants to pay your credit card company uh, 17 18 25% <laughs> in, in interest? Interest rates every year when you can make all of those payments go away, roll it into a refi, save some money in your monthly mortgage payments, and as you suggest, perhaps take a little money out to deal with things like a child's education or dealing with some of those repairs. One of the other things that you offer, in addition to conventional finance and refi, is also helping provide funding for investors. And certainly now, if this is ever a so-called renter's market, this is it. Very attractive time. Right now, for people that are looking to get into investment property, even as large as uh, multi-dwelling units, might be perhaps a small apartment building with up to four units, or maybe a duplex. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that going on right now as people are trying to uh, pull money from the market. The the Dow being at you know highest numbers it's ever been at, so they're thinking of diversifying and maybe changing their portfolio up a little bit and getting a piece of property to put in there, an additional piece of property. And also this, the regular investor who buys and, and flips homes or, or you know, fixes them up and puts them back on the market or keeps them as rentals. All those opportunities we're starting to see with the new administration in place that loan guidelines are starting to loosen up a little bit. We went through a period of almost 10 years where it's very difficult to get a loan, especially for investors. And, you know, in Northern California, we need loans in the jumbo range, which is anything over 625,000. So as those loans start coming back in the market, it just creates a lot more opportunity for people that you've just spoken about. And of course, you're able to do funding throughout the entire state. So if folks say, gee, maybe um, an investment property in the Bay Area might be a little bit pricey, but there are other markets that are beginning to uh, enjoy a resurgence in values. And so you can essentially help folks anywhere in the state, can't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we cover all of California, and uh, we are just reaching out into other states selectively right now. Let's talk about issues, too, when it comes to folks reaching retirement age. Um, It's not uncommon for people to um, get to retirement and say, my goodness, uh, we've got some money in the bank and the 401k. Uh, We're we're secure financially in a lot of respects, but we'd like to have a little bit more cash to do something special, be it that big world cruise, or maybe you want to make sure that there's um, a lot of cash that you can leave as a financial legacy to your children. And you look at the house you live in and say, this is an awful expensive collection of two by fours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe we should consider getting a little bit creative, not to necessarily sell the home per se, but to consider the financial benefits of a reverse mortgage. And while certainly, Andy, it's not for everyone, there is a certain group of people out there for whom a reverse mortgage can really provide a tremendous amount of financial freedom, can't it? Yeah, I know. I think it's, you know, it's. I waited a, a little while to get into reverse mortgages just because I heard all the information that everyone was saying. And, and my mom is of that age, and she talked to me about getting it, and my first response was, no, no, no. I looked further into it, and her situation is one that you just mentioned. So she has some money put away for retirement, but the implications of accessing that money tax-wise are ridiculous. So she doesn't want to tap into that money, so she struggles each month. And so we looked really closely at the reverse mortgage because if you borrow, if you do it that way and you borrow money on the loan, you obviously don't, there's no tax implications from that, not at the same degree anyways. So, you know, I it is for a very specific person, a specific scenario. We're not a company that's going to go, oh, you're 62 and you have some equity, let's do a reverse mortgage. No way. Um, we're going to look at it. We're going to prayerfully consider whether or not this is the right thing for you. And then we'll move forward with with people that, for the right person, it's a great avenue. In many respects, Andy, that's kind of the the watchword of the way purpose funding does business. In other words, it's not one size, one loan fits all. You really take a look at the unique financial circumstances of every individual and try to come up with a loan that's going to be ideal for their circumstances all the way around, both in terms of income, tax considerations, the whole bit, don't you? A hundred percent. When I first got into this business, or when I first, when I actually first started purpose funding, it's interesting because someone was asking me what our mission statement was, and it all it all stems from that very first thought of if this was my loan, if this was my mom's loan, what would I do? Knowing what I know, what would I do? That's how I try to treat every customer. It's what I emphasize for the whole sales team. This is how we do business here. Because I think it's very important to approach this business that has a reputation in a certain way. And if we do it that way, we're, we're going to be fine through no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens in any environment. And it's served true for me my my whole career. 
And and certainly, as I suggested in my opening remarks, um, anybody who has been through it before or knows someone who has knows that the whole process can be daunting and intimidating. And so having an expert on your side that will walk you through the process and most importantly, make sure that it's the right fit, the right loan for you is critically important. It's all the difference that Purpose Funding makes. Get more information, by the way. You can go online to PurposeFunding.com. That's PurposeFunding.com. And I guess, Andy, for most folks, they can easily just pick up the phone and say, hey, here's what my loan is today. This is the amount of interest I'm paying. This is how much is, is owed. And maybe in just a couple of minutes on the phone, you can give a lot of folks guidance as to whether or not it makes sense for them to consider a refi. You know, it's interesting. I would always encourage people to call because that's going to be the the quickest way to get answers. Um, You know, I've had many people, when I tell them, you know what, it's not a good idea for you to do a refinance. They're a little bit shocked because I I, I think everyone that they've spoken to has tried to talk them into doing a loan. And if it's just not right, I think the important thing is to know that, find out what are the steps I need to do to get to where it would be right. Um, does it make sense for me to do this or do that? I think that guidance and just talking to somebody that has experience and can lay out the different options for you and then encourage you in what options they feel is the best, I think it's, it's super important. And to get more information, you can call toll-free 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. And uh, we encourage you to give a call, whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time, maybe enter into some investment property, or simply refinance, save some money, take a little bit of money out, pay down some bills, and maybe take care of some of those deferred maintenance issues on the house. Andy Stike at Purpose Funding is there to help you. Again, toll-free at 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. You can also find them on the web at PurposeFunding.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.